0: Hi, my name is Michael Poley, and I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My friends are obsessed and always make jokes and references to it. And so now, 20 years later, I've been convinced to watch the show from beginning to end, one episode a week. I'm a Buffy virgin. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Buffy Virgin. We are watching Bad Girls, Season 3, Episode 14. Uh, we have with us, as always, Michael the Virgin Polly.: Hello, so happy to be here. I've only seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer up to this episode, season three, episode 14. I don't know what happens next. I'm so excited to talk about this episode. We have Travis with no last name. No last name. Such a shame. And we have John the Teach Landis. Good evening, everybody. And we have a special guest, cartoonist Rachel Dukes. Uh, and I will read her bio right now. Uh, Rachel hails from San Diego, California, a graduate from the Center for Cartoon Studies. She works as a cartoonist and illustrator and is the creator of the cat-centric webcomic, Frankie Comics. Uh, Her work has also appeared in several anthologies, including Beyond, Oath, Bottom Up, As You Were, and Timorous Beasties. Clients include Brain Quest, College Humor, Boom Studios, Lion Forge Comics, and The Nib, among others. All right, how hey you everybody.
1: Doing? Wow, you're really
0: slumming it on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Happy well, we to be should here. list all our clients too, right? Then we can yeah. make this as intimidating yeah. and weird as possible. <laughs> <laughs> John Landis teaches for the, for the Philadelphia School District. <laughs> Philadelphia! <laughs> uh, all right, so we are going to start uh, this week's episode with a new section we're calling reactions which is our social reactions on social media for the week uh so mike why don't you start us off sure so uh i received this reaction through a text message from a listener to the show audrey who we need to have on as a guest sometime but uh she was so moved and frustrated by our uh, consideration about cordelia not knowing about the marx brothers except for xander's influence and she said hey Uh, Cordelia can discover comic books on her own without a boyfriend or a dad to introduce it. It's a common assumption, a question that guys ask women in comic book stores. So they all assume that, you know,
2: some male introduced you into comics and that's not the case. I think this is in reaction, not so much to the March brothers comment, but to something that I said about uh, uh, Cordelia knowing, making a comment about Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I was little incredulous awesome that she would get that she would have that Superman reference the drop. Uh I believe that's what this is in reference to. Well, uh, I actually said al- I
0: totally also said the thing though like, "Oh, she probably knows about the Marx brothers because of Xander."
2: Okay. So I think Yeah, we- I mean, I think in either case, like I think she's totally right. This is a thing. I mean, this is a thing that male geeks use to bully lady geeks and uh I'm embarrassed to be called out for it, and I think that she's she's not wrong. And uh, we'll try to do better. I'll try to do better. Stop assuming that women don't know about comic books. I was not on know, that
0: episode. I don't know how, how I want to say face. face. I wasn't on that episode. I'd, I, I mean, I'd say just, I haven't done the math on this, but I think a majority of cartoonists I actually know are female. I, I, that's my math, I don't know. Dennis <laughs> math. I don't know. <laughs> <Dennis The math. laughs> I don't know. Uh, but we had some good Twitter re- reactions also. Uh, uh, Rachel, you tweeted about how you thought Michael McKean was um, on Buffy, but it's Perry Groner, And Michael McKean responded. No. Oh, whoa. Really
3: amazing. <laughs> well, because you know I, I'm a fan of the show. I watched it as a teenager. I've watched it as an adult. But you know, in my subsequent rewatching over the last like decade, I'm not really watching it. I'm listening to it, and so my brain completely recast, and I thought it was Michael McKean. This. For the last like decade, and so rewatching the episode for today, I was like, "What? It's not him!" And uh, so I tweeted about it, and he actually replied, which was pretty crazy.
2: Yeah. So wait, one of two things is possible: either Michael McKean is searching for himself, or you know, paying well, attention he, was, to his own. he was added on it. Oh, added. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, kind of subject- I choose to believe that he follows at <laughs> Buffy Virgin Pod.
1: Well, he does now.
0: No. Uh- <laughs> And we also had a, um, I posted a photo, I posted a drawing from last week with, and I tagged Nicholas Brandon on it, and he liked it. Wow. that's our first uh, official interaction with any of the cast.
2: Um, That's awesome. Pretty amazing. Busy Twitter week. Yes.
3: Can I I tell a story? Go ahead. My mother used to work with him. Really? Um, He used to be a waiter at a restaurant up here in Beverly Hills called Kate Mantellini, and he was historically the worst waiter that they ever had. And he was auditioning as an actor, and he got the role for Xander. And he was like, all right, everybody, I'm out. I'll see you later. And they were like, oh, whatever. We'll see you in two weeks. And then, like, you know, six months went by, and his face was on the side of buses.
0: Was it his dyslexia that made him a bad waiter, or was it...
3: Was, was, <laughs> who's to say? I mean, yeah, I definitely. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool.
0: awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. It makes sense that he would be, like, the worst waiter. That That is, like, it probably... You know, we're waiting on the a terrible waiter. He make a like perfect sander. Uh, all right, I uh, want to move on to the summary. Uh, our summary this week is provided by John Landis. Uh, do we have
2: this queued up? Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season three, episode fourteen, Bad Girls. Buffy and Faith are vampire slaying buddies. They fight together, stake together, and talk about the deep issues together. Like whether it's acceptable to sleep with your platonic friends who behave like total creeps all through the first two seasons and have only marginally improved since then. Beset by some anachronistic looking vampires, the Slayer set swiftly slaughter several suckers of the sanguine stuff from some sword swinging sect, and find an exciting necklace that they have left behind. When they return to ask what's up with that, it's new character time. It's Wesley Wyndham Price, the new watcher, and he's here to prove that it is possible to outstuffy Giles. He immediately identifies the necklace as the property of Balthazar, a demon that no one needs to worry about since he's totally long dead, and identifies the new vamps as members of the Illuminati cult. That's Illuminati with an E. If you feel that Buffy Virgin is not treating the Illuminati as a serious subject, please direct your Twitter comments and complaints to at BuffyVirginPod. It seems that Faith's visceral enjoyment of slang is starting to rub off on Buffy. It's all she can talk about, even during the chemistry test. In fact, Faith arrives during said test as if summoned. It seems that Slayer bonding has made BFFs out of B and F, breaking the bonds of school. The two of them raid a vamp nest. (laughs) Having handily defeated them, the Slayers celebrate their revved up Slayer sensuality with some hard dancing at the bronze. That is until Wesley and Angel show up to put a big damper on things. The demon Balthazar isn't dead after all, and Wesley's been walking around with the amulet in his pocket the whole time. Buffy should have sent it to the Marks Brothers. Getting together a plan to attack Balthazar at his hideout, Faith decides it's a good idea to rob the local sporting goods store of its crossbows, knives, and nunchucks. Buffy's pretty sure that stealing is wrong, but, you know, peer pressure can be a son of a bitch. And so are Sunnydale's finest, who mistake our heroes for members of a girl gang. Buffy and Faith play along with the Arrest Me game for just a moment, but ultimately end up breaking out of the police car and crashing it in the process. Meanwhile, Sunnydale's evil mayor is getting sick of Balthazar and the E-Liminati playing around in his town. He plans to pit Buffy against them, reasoning that the enemy of my enemy might kill my enemy, thus saving me the hassle. And it seems to work. It's all-out war on the streets between the two Slayers and the Illuminati. Vampire after vampire is getting staked, until... Faith accidentally stakes Alan from the mayor's office. Who would have thought the office intern to have so much blood in him? Buffy and Angel manage to kill Balthazar, (laughs) rescuing the bumbling watchers in the process, but something has changed. Faith has killed a human. Buffy says they need to deal with the consequences, but Faith... She just doesn't care. Wow. Excellent summary.
0: Good job, John. And uh, it's what, excellent wordplay there. <laughs> I feel like I've I have called Faith the Bad Girl on this on this podcast before, and I feel like you have too. <laughs> I totally forgot there was an episode called Bad Girls. Oh
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> How I'm long until that like static like uh transition makes no sense? Probably like five more years, right? no one will remember the static transition (laughs) that feels like an mtv staple like from the 90s like (laughs) anyway that was lovely uh yeah it'll be replaced with some other digital noise though right oh yeah i see it all the time now in all the like casey nistat vlogs he just has like digital noise kind of like creep over the screen yeah all right on to great lines where the rule is you have to do the impression also um, which I didn't tell you about before, Rachel. Uh,
3: I'm, you know, I'm going to disappoint you and I'm just going to read it in my own voice.
0: Very so. well. Uh, I have the first one here. Um, all the sweaty night by night, side by side action. And you never put it in for a little after hours.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I'm glad I made everybody uncomfortable with that. Thanks, uh, uh Yeah, so my favorite is just an exchange here uh, with the mayor the trick in the deputy mayor and it's like oh do you like family circus i like marmaduke oh he's always on the furniture unsanitary nobody's telling marmaduke what to do my kind of dog and then on um, basically unsolicited the deputy mayor's like i like to read kathy no response it's awesome <laughs> is kathy still in news in circulation that was my other thought was like i think yeah, so yeah it's yeah I think yeah. all of those comics are. I right? yeah, think Marmaduke Family Circus and Kathy right. are still Marma going Duke around. is.
3: Yeah. 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 And
0: uh, Family Circus for a long time has been done by Bill Keen's son.
1: Hmm.
0: I don't know which one, because the Keen? other son, the other son works as a Disney animator. Um, so he's mm-hmm. actually like pretty talented. Uh, I saw him speak just a few months ago, Gil Keane. He's amazingly inspiring. Uh, really. Yeah. He developed uh, like the Aladdin character and the Tarzan character. Anyway, he's great.
2: Cool. John, we can't hear you, John. Are you muttering? I'm muted. Sorry. I was going to ask if this was the time, Mike, for uh, you and I to tell our Bill Keane story. Oh, it's the only time.
0: Yeah, John and I went to go see Bill Keane at a book signing at Bar- uh, Books and Company in Dayton, Ohio. <gasps> in the 90s. this was
2: 1999 or 2000. It was 2000. I think we were seniors in high school. I had just gotten dumped on instant messenger the day before and was sad.
0: AOL <laughs> <laughs> instant messenger. Yep, and The uh, we, only instant messenger. And I think we were the only people that didn't bring like uh, books with all of yeah. our Bill Keen illustrations, all the snowed strips cut out. And, like, pasted <laughs> it was them. a bunch of old ladies who we were like really excited. And uh, my favorite part that I remember, and this seems crazy, but like, Bill Keene literally said nonsense words as yeah. a, that, the, that sounded as if it was like uh, he was saying something
2: important. It was crazy. It was really bizarre. He like, he like, gave a whole talk about his history as a cartoonist and like what the work, how, what he does. And you know, Basically a lot of it was about how easy it is to be a cartoonist and how he doesn't really work that hard. At it. That was a big, like I remember that was a big part of it about how he has all of his ideas already out on note cards and he has enough for the rest of his career. And he pulls one out and draws a comic and each comic takes him 20 minutes. <laughs> that what he was talking about, he said the Sundays take him longer, but the daily comics take him 20 minutes a piece. And so he'll get weeks ahead done and just take the time off. And, but then at the end, yeah, he stood up and just spoke gibberish like, at the crowd, I like, <laughs> and it was there was no, there was no laugh, there was no punchline. It just happened, and then he started signing autographs, and that was how he finished his talk. It was utterly surreal and strange. Wow. It was I something think, that, like, I remembered happening. I think Mike, I had to confirm it with you, like, fifteen years later, to uh, like make sure that I hadn't like dreamed it. <laughs> like, it was so bizarre. And I remember I didn't have a book, uh, but I made him autograph my shoe. Which he did. He was very nice about it. And you I wonder having... if
0: he had like already stopped doing the comic at that point, and like his son hadn't told him, so he'd been like, <laughs> "I got shoes for the rest of my life," but you know they weren't going anywhere. <laughs> and you had autographed shoes, uh, like as yeah, a that was a thing like... I was
2: doing at that point in my life. Was anytime yeah. I met a celebrity, I would make them autograph my shoe. Yeah. I got John Flansburgh from the Empty Giants. I got. Uh, the guy from Mooka Ferguson, who was the opener for the NP Giants. And then also, uh, I got, uh, Ethan Cohen to sign my, uh, shoe as well.
0: Oh yeah. That's pretty cool. That's good. right. We We've met Ethan Cohen. That's right. I have a, uh, insurance card that's signed by Christian Hellion Glover. Oh, that's quite good.
2: That feels uh, appropriate.
0: Yeah. Rachel, you want to give your uh, quote?
3: Sure. Um,
2: British
0: accent down.
3: Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry, guys. I'll, I'll try and hit the meter, but I don't think I can do the accent. I mean, I'll try to try. Um, so this is Wesley and Giles in the library. And Wesley's talking about his credentials. And he says, I have, in fact, faced two vampires myself, under controlled circumstances, of course. And Giles says, no danger of finding those here. Vampires? Controlled circumstances.
0: Uh, nice, Travis. Uh, Buffy to Giles while looking at Wesley. Is he evil? The last one was evil, which is great. <laughs> and then uh, Buffy and Faith are fighting the the vampires um, in the mid, in the early part of the episode. And uh, Buffy to Faith, looking at the manhole. You're just going to go down there. That's your plan, Faith. Who said I had a plan? <laughs> just oh that's faith uh i have another from um, balthazar oh, yeah the, the front the front i'm gonna moisten the front <laughs> <laughs> good balthazar dennis uh, i just thought he was super gross
3: Uh, Well, I really love that he's not even saying My front or the front of me (laughs) divorced from his own body That's a good point
0: Beyond like you know personal Personal pronouns or whatever
3: Um, Same scene Uh, Wesley and Giles have been captured And Wesley of course Who's never been near Vampires or demons outside of Circumstances is panicking and, he, he's and he's muttering to himself and he turns to Giles and he says, we, we must remain calm, Mr. Giles. And he's just sweating. And Giles turns to him dryly and says, thank God you're here. I was planning to panic.
0: <laughs> they <laughs> calls him uh, Captain Courageous <laughs> later. <Yes. laughs> uh,
2: John, do you want to? Uh, he has this? another Balthazar line. He says, a trade. Intriguing. No wait. Boring. Pull off their kneecaps! <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, good one. That's such a great flip in line. It totally, yeah. <laughs> it totally works. <laughs> All right, let's move on to weird noticings and trivia. Um, I have the first, uh, I just say that uh, I like the shot of Faith from, emerging from the poofed vampire dust. Uh, I like that whole opening sequence. Um, but that shot, I think, is then mirrored later on when Faith uh, gets saved by Buffy and they have, like they make eye contact through the poof. Oh, I guess the next one's me. Um, it just, it's funny how many episodes open with somebody in the middle of a sentence. It's, it's a really, really great way to open episodes. And so they're just, I don't know. I couldn't remember how many others have opened like that, but I know a ton do because they open in a graveyard and they're always talking. I thought, hey, put this on the list. How many open in a cemetery fighting something? That's a whole separate list, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It is a good way to like, I mean, you know, it's a good way to start a story already in the middle of something. Yeah, like, it, it's perfect because you, you start in a story. You don't start like waiting for the story to happen. So I love it. Uh, John, do you have a question?
2: Uh, Yeah, I wanted to ask uh, the cartoonists in the room. um, What did you think about the Sunday comics opinions that were expressed? Because I know what I think as a reader, but you guys have the inside (laughs) knowledge of uh, newspaper comics.
3: I thought it was Uh, hilarious.
0: Yeah. Uh, One thing I think is kind of funny, like uh, when I first interviewed at my position at Peanuts, like there's this like very intimidating hallway that's got original art by like Hal Foster and like Will... Uh, will kelly and like you know all these greats and it's like the original art framed and everything and then there was one kathy kathy comic that was just cut out of a newspaper and like taped to the wall (laughs) it was like a comic about a thermometer and i was like (laughs) why is this (laughs) (laughs) and somebody was like well because the thermometer is right there So wait,
2: i I think i've always sort of felt that like marmaduke specifically and family circus specifically are really terrible and it's one of those things, it's like, why is this still part of our lives? Like, this should have been dumped years ago. But as comics artists, do you guys have a greater appreciation that I'm missing? Uh, Not particularly, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh,
3: I, I think that's part of what makes the joke so funny, is all right. the strips mentioned are completely banal, but for some reason they're shitting on Kathy. <laughs> you know? and, what, and what does that say about each of the characters, that those are their choices? Right. You know? um, yeah,
0: it totally makes sense. The mayor and family circus, like...
3: Well, right. and, good, and then good. the same thing with the deputy mayor being into Kathy because he's very insecure, you right. know, so it makes perfect sense. And I think their choices were very good.
0: Well, well, yeah. So then what's the comic strip that like defines your personality? Uh,
3: or, like
0: Your main character quirk.
3: Does it have to be
2: a bad one? <laughs> 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 Kathy's not bad. No, I agree. I think Kathy's not bad. I agree. agree it was like that, the one actually. that was good. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, it's a good Generic neurotic comic to choose.
3: Yeah.
2: I think Ziggy's underrated.
0: <laughs> uh, <No> or <more. laughs> is it? There's somebody on Instagram right now who's like drawing extra backgrounds to Ziggy comics. Do you know who that is? <laughs> They're adding like extra jokes. They're pretty funny. I should look up who it was. It's hard to beat Garfield without Garfield. That's pretty much in terms of meta strips. Yep. And uh, Rachel's worked for Garfield. Oh, <laughs> that's true. How is Garfield? <laughs>
3: I enjoyed working on Garfield. Um, you know, they they provided me with the script, and it's two of their in-house writers. And uh, because it was just like a backup story, they let the backup artists draw in their own style, um, which was surprisingly challenging in a way because I still wanted to get those like really big Garfield eyes, and I draw dot eyes most of the time. So it was sort of this very weird amalgamation between how I normally <laughs> draw and the Garfield style. Um, but it did give me the opportunity for a very funny email where um, I had done my pencils for it and I'd sent it in and it was a very cat heavy strip because the series that I do Frankie comics is all cat centric. So they're like, Oh, well, we'll, we'll give Rachel something that has Garfield and a bunch of neighborhood cats and just let her draw all the cats. And, um, and in one scene um, Garfield is supposed to give somebody the paw but be, instead of the hand. And because I draw the cats like more anatomically correct, I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. But I'll have him just turn and show his butt. <laughs> and I had drawn a little anus because that's how I draw my cats is with little buttons, <laughs> the most oh important God. part of the cat. <laughs> and uh, note that I got back after submitting my pencils uh, and it was from my editor, but um but from, you know, the creator of Garfield had, you know, it had cut, gone up the chain to pause and then all the way back down to me. And, uh, and he, he'd replied, um, you know, can we, uh, can we remove the, uh, sphincter? <laughs> 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 the only note I got for this 10 page comic that I had drawn. Um, so my pencils have that little, little butthole there, but the final art does not. So okay.
0: All right. So, 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 so. canonically, uh, Garfield has no anus, is what I Where's
3: all the lasagna go? It's smooth.
0: <laughs> it's just smoother than normal. So I have to ask. You might you must watch you may watch Bob's Workers. There's oh, a absolutely. whole there's a whole episode about this, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And you're like totally vindicated, you felt. Oh, or no?
3: It's classic. That's all of uh Linda's <laughs> Sisters artwork. Yeah. <laughs> I would put all of that up in my house without the Yeah. Oh man,
0: that's awesome. Uh John, you got the next Oh, uh, I
2: mean, this is not hardly like headline news or anything, but Xander is back in uh, full-on slut shaming mode. Uh, Very quickly. Yeah, I mean, because the last episode, I felt like focused on him, and I was really like bracing for him to be terrible, and he's mostly not terrible in in the Zeppo. Um And then here he is. Just in case you thought maybe he was done, he's back. He says that uh, Cordelia is uh, you know going to be marketing her own successful line of hookerware. It's like, god damn it!
3: It just it it. It's so frustrating. And I mean, I think as a teenager, I didn't find it as frustrating now, like being an adult and, you know, being more woke or whatever. Um, Like everything that comes out of Xander's mouth, I find really, really frustrating. But the other thing that I I found really upsetting about that line is that what she's wearing isn't particularly like scandalous or showy. And it's not like Cordelia designs her own clothes. (laughs) She's buying like, high-end, like, brand-name clothes by fashion designers. It's not like she put the outfit together. I don't know.
0: I do like, um, in that scene, Xander's, like, she zings him and walks away. And his bit about, like... Oh, I'm not going to waste the perfect insult on you, but it's time will
3: come. Oh, yes, it will
0: come. And then, like, switches right back to normal talk. Yes. I thought that was a fun scene, a fun moment. Uh, All right, want to talk some about the new Watcher, Wesley Wyndham Price? Yeah, just for a minute. I mean, John, I mean, got it in the introduction. Rachel got it, you know, in the lines, like, just his character is kind of simple and easy to follow. But, like, it was just incredible how out of touch the new Watcher is. And it feels like the Watcher Council is clearly a cult of readers or library folk that have no experience with the real world. Um, and their disdain, their high, like, they're just their intellectual ivory tower disdain for everyone else is absurd. And uh, it was just funny to me, this is the first Watcher character, I guess, that we've met that's a real Watcher. And it's like the first rep of the Watcher Council that I guess is like, like the last time it was the weird test when Buffy turned 18, which was like just a horrific scary watcher character who just wanted to kill Buffy and this guy is like just weird, out of touch, aloof Uh, just such a strange dude. What does everybody think of him? I guess I have like, yeah, what does everybody think of the new watcher? Here's something that really bothers me. It bothers me every time I rewatch. Giles works in the library and that's why like their setup is in the library. Oh yeah. (laughs) Wesley doesn't have another job. He has no reason to be at that school. He should have set up a separate like location. Like somebody should fucking arrest this grown ass man for hanging around the school like for eight hours a day.
2: Yes. This bothered me as well.
0: Yeah. So that's the watcher's office is the library, but he doesn't work there. Yeah. That's insane. It makes no sense. He needs a regular office. Like the mayor has an office. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I always enjoyed the like Giles Juniorness of it. Like <laughs> mirroring poses and stuff. Yeah. Um, I love Wesley Linda price. He's amazing. Wow. All right, well, I'm excited to see how this character develops. Uh, I had a weird continuity complaint that uh, when Buffy describes last night's vamp staking, she's like, the third vampire didn't seem like she was with, like they were with the other two because he had swords, which totally ignores that they're all wearing the same Renfair outfit.
3: The exact same outfit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like Buffy uh, used to have the super ability of noticing clothes that used to be like, <laughs> skill sets, and she totally misses this giant thing maybe it's uh, like the tides it comes in and out, you know her ability to recognize clothing. I mean, I think it's just you know the script was written one way, and then the costumers were like put them all in the same costume yeah. right The script was probably written, and then they were just written with swords, and then it, when it came down to make it, they're like, no, these guys need a costume. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they have like yeah. a
0: fun, stupid backstory. I mean I, I'll yeah. ask about it later, but yeah <laughs> uh Rachel, you want to go next?
3: Oh yeah, no. I, I just speaking to to mirroring and uh, and Wesley being Minnie Giles. There was a scene oh, yeah. in his introduction that uh, after you know they talked to Buffy and Faith and they departed. Um, both Wesley and Giles remove and clean their glasses out of frustration um, at the exact same time, and I thought that was very funny. It was very cute.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: And they don't seem to notice. Yeah, and
3: neither of them notices. They're looking away from each other, and they both have that exact same action.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, Xander, I already talked about that. Uh, I also like, um, he also has some good acting in the scene where uh, at the chemistry um, test, like the twitching he does is good, and the the line delivery where he's like holding his eye, and he's like, some of us just really care about our education. Okay. (laughs) uh so just i mean you know we don't often give nick brendan any praise but uh solid acting this episode yeah
3: the sound effect too of him of him smacking his face <laughs> yeah. to cover to cover his twitching eye and i love the i love the in the earlier sequence when they were talking about the college admissions and the chemistry check, test xander was like oh i don't care about school or my future or whatever it doesn't mm-hmm. matter and buffy was like This test is really important I really need to pass this test and then by the time we get to that scene Xander's like oh no this test is really important stop distracting me and Buffy's like "Eh, I'm out.
0: Yeah well she got drowned and that changes her personality. (laughs) (laughs) That school scene is so weird because like where is like Faith looks like she's on another planet when she's opening the window like hey get out of there like it's like a dream almost. Yeah it's a dream. is. Did you guys see um, Rumblefish? Do you know that movie? It's, Not uh, in a long time. It's a good movie, though. Yeah, it's like Coppola, and there's a scene where uh, what's his name? The main character is like in auto shop or something, and totally bored, and he like fantasizes Diane Lane just like sta- sitting up on top of the classroom, like in laundry, and it <laughs> and it's like this laundry? fantasy laundry. laundry? laundry? in <laughs> <and> dirty laundry <laughs> but it's a total fantasy sequence like, say, that's what, <laughs> this reminds me of but it really happened uh, did you say like dirty laundry with an accent <laughs> like, I gotta listen to this podcast later uh, I meant to say linger- lingerie but I fucked up and said laundry and I, I love it when my wife wears laundry <laughs> uh, you know what <laughs> Fuck you guys. (laughs) Uh, uh,
2: Yeah, that's just, uh, what do you say about it, John? Just the same thing, just that it it feels like this is happening in Buffy's imagination. Like it feels like uh, Faith is her imaginary friend because she's talking about how being a slayer is this other experience that no one can understand. And then as she's talking about it, Faith comes and interrupts the test and no one reacts to Faith except for Buffy. (laughs) yeah and so it really feels like it's happening inside Buffy's imagination, but it isn't it just it feels like that like like faith is her Tyler Durden or her <laughs> drop dead Fred like her imaginary friend and she totally is, does the heart on the yeah, yeah the heart yeah. on the glass is like it just feels like it's happening inside her imagination
0: great nineties cuts too on like the what it's like. <laughs> it's like it's not and did, did anyone like, else did in try. high school like want to jump out a window or you know not necessarily like, like a window
2: that's off but like just use that to get out of a place no, oh I'm my sister did that she she I'm uh she escaped like, saturday like, detention that, that yeah. exact way like <laughs> ground level windows are begging to be jumped out of like I'm i also
0: like in order for this to happen out. the teacher just for some reason leaves she's like this test is on honor system <laughs> yeah
1: Wait, this? Did, they probably have like twenty
0: vacancies. Did? They probably have all these vacancies at Sunnydale. She's probably teaching ten different classes.
2: She's got to go sub in the uh, the computer science class. They
0: still haven't found a computer science teacher. I
2: know. <laughs> we actually, she's actually, she actually, has a name. I think. No, no. Yeah, she actually gets a name. I just don't. I don't
0: remember
3: what it is. Yeah, she was named in the earlier scene. Yep. But like Buffy is straight up turned around facing everybody behind <laughs> her during this test and nobody says anything and she just gets up and walks out a window <laughs> like oh. remember
0: back in like the first episode when she skipped a class and like got caught and like got lectured about like lectured too yeah that? Yep. it just hasn't happened in a while <laughs>
2: well, yeah for being died. such a strict principle Snyder's really letting things go yeah <laughs> Doug Flutie was, 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 yeah. Flutie was probably running a tighter ship. Flutie cared he, about the kids.
0: Snyder's He did. Situation. Yeah. Flutie. Uh, <laughs> Mike, you got the next comment. Oh gosh, there's just an amazing transition from Buffy and Faith fighting to then being like dance partners at the Bronze, and like it was awesome to see the EDM night or you know Goth night,
2: whatever this it <laughs> party. It's so. definitely not Goth night.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys uh, ever watch the cartoon Batman Beyond? No, uh, they they have a like EDM opening sequence that was directed by Darwin Cook, but I really think that there's some frames from that that are like like live traced over this scene. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can see that a real similarity going on. And it's uh, just a it's a really fun cut, really fun transition, and it just like sets up that Buffy and Faith are on the same page so well. like really good story like tv film storytelling i was really impressed it is and it's also like by the time they're playing that music at the bronze it must be hours later they've been like slaying and dancing all night
3: yeah yeah totally
0: (laughs) uh let's see uh you got the next comment rachel
3: oh yeah so when they're at the bronze and dancing wesley shows up uh to talk to buffy about slaying stuff and uh while they're discussing it, he insists that Buffy give him a phone number where he can reach her while she's gone and out slaying. And I think that that was very funny because cell phones aren't really a thing in the Buffyverse. And because it couldn't be like a landline. He couldn't be like, give me your home number when you're out slaying and killing things. So presumably he means a cell phone number, but no one has cell phones in Honeydale.
0: Yeah, she used to have a beeper, but we haven't even seen that in like That's forever. True. If the apocalypse comes, beat me. Um, I say, uh, then we meet Balthazar for the first time, who I think is hilarious. I mean, I just really see, like when I see something like this, I see both like the performer and the effects people just like having a really fun time. And they built like the grossest looking dude they could. And it's like really weird looking guy with a lot of of layers. (laughs) It looks like they started with the master style like forehead and like face makeup and then yeah. obviously built out the jacuzzi man. Like, <laughs> and like it starts as the zoom in on his face and you don't know how fat he is and it just keeps like getting wider and wider. He's kind of got like a Darth Vader looking face. Like he's got that paleness. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm actually surprised it's not the same actor who played the master. They're so similar. Why can't it be that one guy who's been in the show 10 times already? <laughs> do you mean um uh luke uh, luke.
2: luke yeah the guy's had five different roles why <laughs> would you hire luke the whole point of that guy is that he's like big and muscly well i mean you just stuff luke inside something else you double oh, the right. mass. that seems Luke's like he's already got the mass you just double it okay
0: <laughs> unfortunately hulu really ruins the reveal of this monster for me because the screenshot like the thumbnail of this episode is the monster uh, is the balthazar monster, which is a bummer, but still pretty awesome monster.
1: and You I just guys like remember
0: being, like, ladled the whole time? Yeah, the ladling <laughs> thing <lost>. is weird. <laughs> and when the actor starts flapping his arms around and is like, ah, like
3: that's my favorite because you know the guy in the suit, he's got to have his arms like down here, and he can really kind of only like flipper the bottom half of it. Yeah,
1: arm. yeah.
3: <laughs> the the thing that. I think is so great about the design of that character is most Buffy villains especially just like monster of the week dads like it, they're all humanoid and it's just like oh that's a guy in a suit but the way the Balthazar has been sort of melted into this jacuzzi pit it really makes me wonder about the backstory of his character which we will never learn and I'm like what was that battle like who was this guy who was yeah he before this happened I and- want to know
0: all the details about like has he been in Sunnydale this whole time? Or does the cult like...
3: Did they pick him up and move him in <laughs> yeah. that yes. Like, Yeah, so
0: the watch- the new Watcher said he hasn't been, right? It's like they're, a- it's like 100 years or something like that. You know, so...
3: They're assuming that he's been dead this whole time. But that doesn't yeah. mean that he oh, originated yeah. in Sunnydale.
0: Also, do we know what the amulet does to Balthazar? Rents
3: power.
0: Why- power. Yeah, he probably gets to walk again.
3: Yeah, presumably it would heal him.
0: But he can do that thing where he grabs Angel without the amulet, right? Or does yeah. he have the amulet briefly? No, 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 he, no. Earlier without it. he does it by himself, yeah. Maybe it um, increases his range so people don't have to be in his direct, like, stay 10 feet in front of me at all
2: times. Do you remember the, the similar monster from Blade?
0: Yeah, yeah. Blade
2: totally ripped <laughs> off this monster.
0: I think Blade
2: might've come out first. No, I think this came out first. I don't know. Oh uh, no, no, I have to cool look now. it up. <laughs> I this just be, this will be year 2000.
0: No, no, this is year 1999. Yeah, it's year
2: 1999. Which I right, find Blade came which... out in 98. I thought this was first. <laughs>
0: uh I I didn't listen to it for this recording, but I've listened to the uh commentary for this episode before and the director claims he never watched Blade. okay he he stole the idea from a daredevil comic where kingpin is in the sewer oh uh but i just think the similarities are way too similar and the fact that he like dies similarly like all burnt up and stuff i think he's ripping off and a lot of vampires in this show die by (laughs) die that way though that's true it's just such a fun visual to gravitate a cult around it feels like something Hodorowski would do it's great yeah yeah totally uh Yeah, I love the the idea that these are like a noble cult that's into like fighting and stuff and then their like leader is a dude who can't even move and it's like,
2: just cheat, why don't
1: you cheat? Like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and they're strangely a cult of duelists that like always fight to the death with swords. I mean, it's just, there's so many weird,
2: rad details. How how do vampires kill each other with swords? Do they cut each other's heads off? Because that would, it seems like they're not particularly equipped for that
0: don't they kill a vampire with
2: a beheading in this yeah, scene? Yeah, right yeah. like they sort of crushes his head breaks his neck and this is a problem that i have because it doesn't seem like a vampire death at all and yeah and in fact
0: we don't even see him poof yeah it could be like you know he cripples him for life still hurts just like
2: oh man. yeah i guess if, like if he's just the paraplegic vampire forever is that yeah. what happens that's kind of worse gosh yeah. <laughs> Rough, man don't cross mouth
0: john you got the next one
2: um, oh, just I love that the, the, the like drop that maybe Sunnydale has a girl gang problem because the cops are immediately like, what are you guys in that girl gang? One of those girl gangs that's <laughs> always stealing nun checks. Like, <laughs> uh, I just I really like the idea that there's a Sunnydale group like set of girl gangs because I think that would make a great spinoff or a fan fiction project I'd about, you that. know, Yeah, that would be really fun. And then like, I also want that to include the Boy Scout troop from Sunnydale, Troop 75 apparently, (laughs) that goes for the photo op at the mayor's office. I would really like to read a story about like a Boy Scout troop trying to go camping in Sunnydale. (laughs) It just doesn't seem like a good idea. That's true. Maybe that that girl
0: gang is the one who shot up the guys from the Zeppo and stuff.
2: (laughs) Can vampires enter your tent? Does that count as a home?
0: No, it's not a home. Uh, I, how long, I, long do you have to stay in know. a
2: tent before it's your home?
0: Yeah, how big uh, does the tent have to be? I mean, obviously, the vampires if it's, have to if get in the tent. anywhere a homeless person can live in, then it's not a home because that wouldn't be their name.
1: If it's a Sorry, yurt. That was stupid of I mean,
0: me. Maybe maybe sounds like a great Twitter poll. Can <laughs> vampires enter tents? Well, could they enter an RV? I think the answer to that would be yes. I also, uh, um, in that scene, I just want to say
2: mobile home,
0: what kind of like hardware store or whatever, or camping supply store is this that has like nunchucks. uh, Yeah. There's
2: shurikens. There's nunchucks. Also did anybody notice the bow that faith steals is not the bow she has later. Oh, she steals.
0: she goes back.
2: Oh, does she go back? Okay. Yeah.
0: But she, she first stole a crossbow with like a air canister.
2: Yeah. It's like a pneumatic crossbow. It's terrifying. Yeah, me too. (laughs) But then she steals, like, a
0: regular, like, hunting composite bow, bow, bow or something. Um. Uh, so I said, um, last episode was Xander's
2: time to feel left out of the group. And this episode, it's Willow's time. Uh, poor Willow. This is one of the better parts of the episode, I think. And it's not a big part of the episode. But Willow's, like, subtle sort of like, oh, I'm not your number one friend anymore kind of thing plot that she has with the um protection spell is one of the like subtler better things that happens in this episode i really like that
0: and like it's one of the things where for me i'm like on one hand i think willow should feel like it's okay for buffy to have multiple friends right uh but i i also feel a lot when she's like looking at her protection bag that she left and it's like stupid like i feel that
3: well and i don't know if this is obvious because uh I didn't actually watch the episode Gingerbread leading up to this, but she's been working on that spell, that protection spell since Mm -hmm. Gingerbread. So however much time has passed, she's been putting in the hours to make that for Buffy. And so for it to finally be completed and she's really proud of it and wants to like be with a friend and go on the hunt. And then she's just like, nope, sorry, you know, that's heartbreaking. Does yeah. this does this
2: mean that she's mastered the four elements? Did you already give Mike that that uh, that prediction? We didn't give that to him. Uh, I'm not planning on giving it to him. We can talk about that later.
0: Probably because we didn't see the spell demonstrated. Even though I it's clear she's it's achieving results. high level it's of results. mastery. Yeah, yeah but we uh, but we'll
2: we'll get to that. We'll talk. We can talk okay. about the four elements later. I didn't All even right. think it was worth talking about, but we can talk about it later. Cool.
0: Uh, John, you got the next question.
2: Uh. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm curious, and this is. I, I you know. I keep harping on this forever, but like the whole this whole scene where the the whole point of it is that Giles has more experience than Wesley, and like Wesley doesn't really know what he's doing, and then Wes, you know, Giles is like, "Oh yes, well, if you really want to be a watcher, now's your chance, because we're being attacked by vampires." And like the whole point of the scene is that Giles knows what he's doing, but if he knows what he's doing, why didn't they go home before dusk? I'm so <laughs> sick of them getting ambushed at the library. Because it keeps (laughs) happening and they know better. They should just go home where there's a magical fortress.
0: John, they're not going to live their lives in fear. They're going to be in that library... They or the vampires be, win. They, they should, should be a afraid. A house, they should build a house <laughs> inside of the library, not a cage, but a house that's technically a house the vampires can't go. Where into. does Wesley live? Le- 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 maybe they're setting. Maybe, up yeah, the Maybe yeah, maybe Wesley. Bird.
2: But then they wouldn't get kidnapped if Wesley was
0: living there. No, no, no. Ma- let me let me do this as a dark read, John. What if Giles knew that but was hoping that Wesley would die when the vampires came? <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's a dark read. That's a dark read that's for you. Oh, Ripper. I will buy that. <laughs> oh man, that's good. Um, So then they get kidnapped and everything. And uh, I just want to say when, like, Balthazar is like, who is the name, what is the name of the man who has my amulet? Like, I was like, Angel announces himself into the battle. Like, he's a man who knows he's about to be the star of his own show. Like, (laughs) he's legitimately never earned that at all. Like, in a fight. Like we've never really seen him seen him be a big fighter except when he's evil. But he's just like, I'm going to announce my presence. Like, Tis I, Angel. I thought it was rad. I made me happy when I saw that. I was like kind of happy to see Angel enter. He's like a lot more fun uh, this episode. Well, because
2: how often does Angel not do this? How often is somebody in horrible peril and Angel just doesn't show up? That seems oh, that's like that most happens of most time. of the time. Yeah. There's
1: so many episodes where I
0: wish he would have showed up to help Buffy. Yeah. I also wonder if he was, you know, waiting around for a while, like maybe there'll be a good introduction for me. <laughs> just off the Oh, Has that's why far? he's
2: always been just in the wings when everyone needed him, but never came in because no one like gave him, him the right opportunity.
0: Saying my name? <laughs> Man, I wish, yeah, someone strong could come and help. Oh yeah, no, you got to ask who is, who is this person
1: <laughs> <laughs> is
0: anyone right now? like kind of like a superman thing like who is the man that's faster than a train you know whatever it is anyway, <laughs> let's not bring up superman again uh, uh travis you got the next one Janelle's head headbutts a vampire that's trouble he's he's using his knocking against himself yeah, that's true oh. he's only got a limited amount of knockouts <laughs> left in his yeah no. yeah it yeah. also seems like you know vampires have that extra cushioning yeah they have the messed up forehead Yeah, angry angry forehead. Uh, But it is good to see Giles. Now that Wesley's here, Giles can be more of a badass and actually participate in fights and stuff. It's good to see. Hey, so uh, there's a scene where the uh, mayor imprisons a guy that tries to kill him, and then they cast a spell or something, and then they release him, and then he cuts the mayor's head in two, and then uh, the mayor's okay again uh because the mayor is invincible i guess like t2000 anyway Anyway, uh first time through the show uh what the fuck is going on that's a (laughs) That special effect isn't horrible either i was watching it and i was like you know what compared to other special effects it's actually not that bad yeah and it's interesting choice because they could have just gone with i'm invulnerable as in like (laughs) the blade bounces off my skin right but instead they went for this like big effects shot i like when it's split, his, the interior isn't like brain matter or anything. It's like, I
3: don't
0: Gray see.
2: goo. Yeah, gray <laughs> like goo. Mag, it's like magic stuff.
0: <laughs> I mean, the mayor is talking about ascending and I assumed it was like, oh, he's getting called to demon heaven or something. But ascending for him, it seems to mean coming, literally invincible, which is insane. Uh, yeah, off- do, <laughs> I agree with that, Travis, I by the way, that. that demon heaven already has a name. It's hell.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Although it'd be great if, if there was a separate demon like heaven, and then we just, you know, that, that the demon hell is the bad place for the bad demons. But if you're like. I mean, a, we've, a,
2: we've seen demon hell. It's all business, it's all like trying to manufacture some unknown it's, it's commodity. All ma- it's oh, all the curing
0: That's it's a different, different place. Polymalt, scotch into, you know, 500 year old scotch. No, demon heaven, like clearly he's ascending to the, the demon version. You know, humans, mortal people are like, oh, that's hell. And we point down, but demons are probably pointing up. Anyway, it just, it's so crazy. <laughs> I, I know this is going to be the season three bad guy now based on this, because this is too big a monster to deal with in a And They don't even, the mayor is like clear, in the wings the whole time, just plotting on hoping that Buffy gets killed. And then, but they cut to this crazy side story. Anyway, it's, it's a fun, weird B story yeah and alan was apparently probably gonna be telling the slayers about it too bad for alan yep uh all right uh rachel you got some trivia at the end
3: yeah um i wasn't sure how much you guys wanted to go into trivia but the original ending for this episode was completely different and i don't know if you guys had read about this do um, no, 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 no. tell. Tell us how the original ending for this episode, according to the Buffy wiki, is that Buffy was going over to Faith's house to like talk to her about the death of Alan, and uh, she was to find Faith having hung herself Whoa. in remorse. And Whoa. At point In the production of this season, they decided to keep Faith on, so they changed it.
1: Wow!
2: That Whoa, that's much
0: heavier. hell yeah. Bleak. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I'm really glad they didn't do that. I would not have wanted to see that scene, honestly. Yeah, no,
2: Whoa.
0: Well, I've seen Faith Comics on store shelves, so I know that doesn't you know, happen.
2: <laughs> that is dark. They're all prequels, Mike.
3: And then uh, the other thing that I guess is notable with regard to this episode is uh, Alison Hannigan, Willow, uh, first met her future husband, Alexis Den- Denisoff, uh, Wesley, Uh, On the set of this episode. So that's.
0: Oh, Um,
3: how sweet! That's cute.
0: Sparks were flying. I don't think they even share a scene in this episode.
3: I don't think so. No. Not to the next episode.
0: Yeah, to the next episode. All right. Uh, That was Weird Noticings and Trivia. Um, And we are going to move on to questions for the group. All right. The first question comes from Mike. Yes, this is for uh, Teach. Oh. If you don't have a family and you skip school or
2: don't value school in general, what happens? That's an upsetting question, Mike. Uh, I don't <laughs> know. Um, I mean, Rachel knows. <laughs> I,
3: I mean, mean, I've certainly, you finish yeah. your thought, but I have a personal anecdote.
2: Oh, <laughs> I, um, please. Yeah. Please save me from this. Give me your personal anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to Nothing answer this question. Happens. Yeah.
3: Like if you're, if your family isn't, uh, if your family doesn't care, nothing happens because the school can't keep you there. Um, and there's nobody looking out for you. If, um, I mean, the, the school can report you for not going. And nowadays, somebody could call child services and be like, oh, hey, yep. this kid's not coming to school. You should do a wellness check. Yep. But if the home is clean, like there's nothing you can do just being truant. No one will do anything
2: there's some moves to punish uh there's some uh, moves to punish parents for truancy that's starting to become more of a thing but you're right i think in general
3: i think they can hassle
2: you there's a lot of hassling that happens
3: yeah Um, i I know at at least you know in the 80s there was there was nothing anybody would do yeah but you know mid 90s late 90s i'm sure there was stuff in effect but
2: um, I mean you can definitely crack down on parents for truancy now. There's definitely things that they do. I don't know exactly how it works. I mean, and yeah, child service is a big part of the things that you hold over a parent's head. Um, but yeah, when, if they do a site visit and there's no problems, yeah, I don't know what happens then. That's a good question.
0: Well, I'm kinda of I thought your question part.
2: was more broad, like what happens to a person <laughs> who is not engaged with either a family or a school community? They and become that seems the slayer. Yeah, and I'm like, that makes like that you know, kind of makes me sad. I I hope that people like that turn out well. I don't know. I mean, I just meant
0: for in regards to Faith, really, because, you know, she's, I didn't even think of her as a fellow student until she shows up to say, like, Buffy, skip school, like, get out of here. I'm like, is Faith even in school? I guess she's kind of been in the hallway a little bit (laughs) randomly. Like I have no sense of her attending classes. But In the the first episode, she uh, says like, oh, if I had friends like you guys, I probably still would have dropped out, but I would have felt bad about it. Right. Right, So she hasn't even enrolled at Sunnydale. She's basically off the books. Yeah. She's off the radar. I mean, she's she's off the books and she's off the radar. And Giles and Wesley are not doing anything to try to get her yeah,
2: not off. interested in like making sure she's got a decent place to live or food or really interested in faith at all which is odd because i think she's more the official slayer than buffy is because when buffy died she kind of passed the crown on um so i really feel like they should be more focused on faith if if anything
1: yeah
2: but i guess yep. she's she, i don't know the, the watcher thing seems to be more about uh wielding power than about really getting anything done that's what I'm learning from this season. So Buffy's better for that. I guess she's more compliant.
0: Yeah, I mean, just yeah. it, this episode is a lot about rule breaking and going to school or not is one of the early rules that gets broken. Mm-hmm. And we can, we'll, we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, in the themes because it's a big, big subject. Uh, the next kind of question here.
2: Oh, the Illuminati. What does everybody <laughs> think the deal is with the Illuminati? <laughs> Uh, I think we've officially put as much thought into the Illuminati, like right now, as the writers did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they all wear renfair
0: costumes, and they all have two swords—a big one and a small one. Um.
2: Like, there's the Illuminati. There's the, uh, the three. The, the three, and there's the Order of Toronto. something. Tur- okay. yeah and they just all seem like there's these like totally interchangeable medieval-esque vampire cults that just don't matter <laughs> the order of taraka aren't
0: vampires they're oh anyway. okay they're still okay. like an assassin they're
2: like uh, yeah but they're more i think
0: of the order of taraka more like just the union you join if you're a mystic right.
2: uh bounty hunter okay right oh that's that's the like the the maggot guy and stuff and then yeah. there were
0: the, the Germans, right? And then there was like Slayerfest. Or no, was that Slayerfest? Slayerfest 98. Yeah, then there's the whole, yeah. <sighs> Slayer <Fest. laughs> All right, am I the only one who regrets never having hidden in a coffin or sarcophagus? I'll get my turn eventually, but
2: have you guys ever been like, man, I want to
0: <laughs> jump inside a coffin and shut the... I feel like I have to. Turned
2: and turned. I feel like oh, we're all God. shaking our heads. Sorry for the podcast no, I'm, audience. I'm, Everybody's shaking their I heads. I kind of agree. I, oh,
0: When I look back at it, I'm like, I, I haven't done that.
2: That's weird. Um, there's there's honestly, limited opportunities in life.
0: Yeah. There are two opportunities I've seen in the past year to, <laughs> inside the sarcophaguses. Yeah, you take them. Did you well, take I, them? No, I took neither at the <laughs> Lovecraft <laughs> so Bar, can, which is a goth bar in Portland. You can, Okay. Oh, okay. The sarcophagus you can climb in there? EDM. Oh. Yeah, I got a, I got a story. I, I, a pseudo sarcophagus. Okay. Oh, the other one. Uh, so the film festival in town last year that a friend of ours ran the social media campaign for. Anyway, we always say his name, but I'm not going to this time. But there was a film festival uh, the over at the Overlook Hotel. So like the on Mount Hood, there's a hotel that was used as the background shot for The Shining. It's on Mount Hood, of the Overlook, not the interiors, but the exteriors, and they used it. Um, It's the Stanley Hotel uh, that they use. And they had a VR experience where you could get inside of a coffin and experience being dead. And it, anyway, and like people crying and like coming over to the coffin and being depressed and sad about it. But it it started with you dying. It started with you dying in an ambulance. Like Mm. you're in the stretcher being taken to the hospital, whatever. And then you're in a coffin and people are sad. And that was the story.
3: Jesus wow. H. Christ. You can,
0: you can simulate this experience a little bit you know, more pleasing in a tanning bed, although I don't recommend you go to it. A- <laughs> I don't recommend tanning beds.
2: But- As a doctor, Travis yeah. does not recommend no. tanning beds.
0: Oh, no, no, know, no, no, no. Or float tank. I did a float or tank a times this year. It's so nice. Really? Yeah. The tanning oh, bed you can pull yeah. really close to your face. I'd like to do a float tank. I haven't done that.
2: Yeah, I want to do that uh, terribly. Or a sleeping uh, bag. Yeah. Did you ever seen the movie The Mind Benders? That's good. I don't know Mindbenders. I mean, I know Altered States. <laughs> Altered States. Altered yes! States is
0: such a mess.
2: Yeah, <laughs> such Altered a good States movie. <laughs> Sorry, recommendations are later. <laughs> All right, let's move on. All right, uh, I have a, a couple of
0: questions. Um, are Buffy and Angel officially back together? Uh, they look very couply. I had the same I mean, question. They kiss. They're very kissy. Oh, but they're not just kissy in like their usual like passionate way. They're like kissy in a like we're in an established
2: relationship.
0: We're doing this a lot more than than to you see know, on screen kissy. Yeah,
2: I I don't think they're officially back in back together. But oh, I think they that are. they are all but officially. They're definitely back together. I think if you asked Buffy, she'd say no, and if you asked <laughs> Angel, he would say no. <laughs> no, that's a lie about the relationship. That's I think. <laughs> To
0: like Wes or something, Wesley, he'd be like, so this is Buffy's boyfriend. I just met him. Yeah. And then I Angel would look, on camera, he would look at somebody like, uh, yeah, I mean, not really. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying for uh, a prediction, I think it's time we finally called it.
2: Uh, yeah, we'll get to that.
0: All right. I do have that one set to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, does drowning count as another Buffy death? I ask. I don't
2: think so because she didn't require CPR. So she wasn't really drowned. But she like has that whole twitch and everything. And then no, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, fake. it's a fake, it's acting. It's yeah. acting, yeah.
0: But yeah. she got I... the, see here's the, one of my theories is that whenever Buffy drowns, she gets a level up and she got oh. that level up. She's suddenly able to like easily defeat these vampires. So she got all of the, she got the normal experience points she gets from a drown. <laughs> Oh, so question. In the Buffy Vampire Slayer video game, do you level up by drowning the character? Is that <laughs> how that works? No, played it. I have never played the Buffy video game, but I assume so. There's right. a handful of Buffy video games, right? There's oh, more than yeah, one. for the Game Boy, too. So, like, I don't know if I can play these. Yeah. Oh, uh, that was another um, Twitter thing from a couple weeks ago, so I didn't put it in. But uh, Dingo Action commented because John was like, why don't they use super soakers filled with uh, holy water? And apparently in the first Buffy video game, that's one of the weapons she can use. Oh, really? Oh, so.
1: Interesting.
2: There's Thank you, is. Dingo Action. I may go play that game. <laughs> uh, Rachel, you got the last question?
3: Yeah, I was just curious if anyone else loved Buffy's make-under in the sequence where she and Faith steal stuff from the sports store. Like they, The, the costuming and the makeup in that show, they make such a huge effort to make her look really girly and femme and pastels and flowers in her hair and like it's a huge part of her visual aesthetic um Mm -hmm. as a character and and you know mind you I'm jumping in in the middle of season three I didn't I haven't watched the first two seasons recently but in the recent episodes that I just watched this was the first time we saw her with like neutral makeup like no colored lipstick she was very wearing a very simple sort of faith like Tough outfit, mm-hmm. and I just thought she looked amazing like, way better than the 90s, like, femme Delia's catalog look. And I Delia's. thought it was really nice. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I love everything about that scene, so yes, I like that make under also. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it makes like you know, she goes, she was dressed up for fighting, right? It makes more mm-hmm. sense for her to like not be wearing a dress, but,
3: right? Whatever. Yeah it's it's more uh function than form yeah yeah and i i thought that was really appropriate and it sort of it echoes back to the whole thematic mirroring thing where she's like oh well i'm trying out how faith is a slayer i'm gonna dress a little bit more like that you know um, yeah. whether it was a conscious decision or not
0: Want, take have. <laughs> all right guys we're we ready to move on to the deep deep stuff uh, I think there's two more things in this doc.
3: Oh, sorry. I think they're oh, covered, they're man, covered under
0: deep thi- Well, one of them's covered. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I asked the important question, who turns down homemade waffles? Uh, I would. I would. Never, I would never in my life turn down homemade waffles. I, I love, don't love
2: waffles. I, but they're, just,
0: they're just pancakes in different form. I don't love <laughs> pancakes. I have,
2: I have no love of pancakes. I only love waffles. I'd prefer uh, a waffle to a pancake. I don't care for either.
0: My wife and I love waffles. We literally uh overdrafted our chase account buying a double waffle maker <laughs> nice. last year, so <laughs> hmm. that's worth it yeah. on sale <laughs> <Priorities>. <laughs> We just bought a house. we've got to be frugal except for this waffle maker. I know we just were stopped we weren't thinking <laughs> okay, uh, can I we talk it. about this? Just it could go in deep thoughts or whatever, but. Faith yeah. kills a human. That's so the themes, deep stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're in themes and deep stuff now. Yeah. All right. Great. Faith music kills a human. Played. What do people think about that? So Rachel just mentioned, I guess this alternate ending where faith kills herself as a consequence because she's so broken about it. That is an incredibly dark move for the show. Yeah. Just like Judas. But yeah, what does what did people think about that scene? I mean, I know how I think about it. you, got and make, you have to you can interpret it just by itself of her killing a human, but then you also have to think Alan was working for the bad guys, right? right? I mean, we don't know for sure that he was going to go tip off Buffy and Faith. I thought he was like out out going to do some like mischief actually. I thought he was going to be out putting the hit out or or trying to get yeah, so I guess you- I always interpret it as he's going to inform the slayer about the mayor but it is interesting that the show's vague about it i'm it is vague I'm yeah it's vague. how vague they are like well, you're the virgin how do you feel the, re, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you say. Oh, no,
3: i was just gonna say do they know at that point that alan is the deputy mayor and associated with the mayor like they don't i don't think Apple so later, no right?
0: that comes out i think let's come out in the newspaper later yeah well i know the next episode is called consequences and i <laughs> assume <laughs> <laughs> that there will be consequences for the murder of a human. You assume no that about. Revelations would have Revelations in it. Um. Yeah, well, Yoder was Yoder was like, <gasps> so I assume that I'm um, yes. on, on the right direction for this one. I assume there will be consequences for Faith killing a human. I mean, I, I, that's literally a prediction, but like. <laughs> That's like the first really deliberate. I think we've killed monsters that look more more human-eyed and didn't dust like they didn't just vaporize mm-hmm. or whatever. That's kind of been happening more frequently in season three versus previous seasons, and so I think the show does want it to be a serious thing to kill a human because like yeah. they get it is serious. But it is Although, like kind of but Buffy, 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 Buffy accidentally let the the Germans kill each other. Yeah, like, totally. He kind of kills those two guys, and Buffy we don't count that for some reason. Buffy I mean that's self-defensive high school coach. Remember Buffy push pushed the swim coach.
2: Swim coach, yeah. Swim coach. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's true. And those boys really love their coach. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Sorry. And the show wants like evil and good to be really distinct mm-hmm. sometimes. And then other times it wants to blur that line. And it seems to be very choosy. And the way that the like the visual language of the show gr- like screeches to a halt when they kill this guy. To me, like if I, I think it's good that they're doing that, but I also think it's like, oh, well, I guess you're just changing the rules. Yeah. But or they don't,
0: they don't have a hard kind of rule about battles. You know, like when you're a parent and you you know you can't like enforce every little infraction. They're kinda it feels like the writers are picking their battles when it literally. Yeah. Literally when it comes to like morality. But yeah, Mike. The show treats it as a big deal. It's a big yeah. deal to human. And you're right that it's like there's not a no-killing-human rule. Like, humans have been killed if they're bad. But the deputy yeah. mayor is kind of like, the worst thing he did is like Kathy, and he also didn't warn the mayor that someone... Like, he had no idea that someone was about to kill him, maybe. Yeah, that was a little weird. Uh, like, <laughs> that sequence is weird. That, like, uh, Trick is hiding in one room, and then the cabinet also has a vamp- another vampire in it. <laughs>
3: I think that that probably... Attaches to that assumption that we're making That he was going to warn Buffy and Faith About what the mayor was doing What if he just let that guy in And put him in the cabinet
1: yeah, like, right.
0: we don't, We'll yeah.
3: find out We don't know But that would explain that anomaly
0: Yeah how in broad daylight This dueling, dueling vampire Vincent Got into
2: So, so there's a missing theory. parallel story here Where Alan realizes that his boss is evil Doesn't really know what to do about it Panics about it tries to solve it by hiding a vampire in his closet that doesn't work and so then he tries to go tell the slayers about it but they stab him to death
1: <laughs> yeah
2: that's that's basically how this goes yeah it's a rough week for alan
0: yeah since last uh, week i think i think the big problem with this is that faith like it's it's kind of weird that faith has zero conscious app conscious after this like that's the weird part like, yeah has zero remorse now right in that's they present presented at least i think well, and that's
3: what I was going to say is it could just be a front. I mean, having been a teenage girl, sometimes you do fucked up shit by accident and you're like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. You know? I, 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 think I think that's she's what totally, she's doing.
1: Yeah. Uh, she's
0: totally Lady Macbething.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. You don't, you don't
0: Lady Macbeth if you actually have like no remorse.
2: Right. Like, no, it, I think it's clear from close. her performance in the first scene where she first kills him that she's as, she's as freaked out as anybody. If you watch her she's just as freaked out as anybody and it's it's a it's a um retroactively that she doesn't care about it that's how she covers it over She's all well, i yeah. guess that's just i guess well, i'm a murderer now and that's, that's fine surprising yeah also no, she's surprising. for
0: some reason drying
2: her clothes inside a drawer <laughs> it's
3: just a fucking mess, man. I didn't notice that. At I didn't all.
0: either. What? Oh, she's hanging it. No, she's hanging it.
3: I she's, did she's... notice. She has a bunch of pillows taped around a pipe. Is that yeah.
0: explained? Did no, I, I think that's just about? her uh, like punching. Oh, person. it's for oh, punching. Oh, okay, That makes sense. I, yeah, I interpreted it as like uh, it's her punching bag or whatever. Because she drew it, a little
3: dead face on it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's her thing that she beats up. It's her punching yeah. very bag. spotting Yeah. <laughs>
0: all right well did, did uh, i mean it, with the faith's lack of remorse is the big problem right she doesn't care that she's I done think it. it's unrealistic Absolutely. she has initial remorse right. visually but then is very standoffish to buffy like she's very defensive when buffy's like hey we can talk about it we can work through it or whatever they're gonna figure it out it's too and simple faith's like there's nothing to figure out i yeah.
3: mean faith doesn't have a history of like talking about feels you know either right So it makes sense that something so big and hideous like this, she'd just be like, no, we're not going to talk about it. There's nothing to talk about. It's fine. And she's kind of doubling down on that bad girl persona, you know, that she's like, no, I am tough. Look how, look how ruthless I am. You know?
0: So is that kind of the story of the episode then? Like, cause it's bad girls. So like she becomes the, she's the baddest girl. And then she like Buffy kind of like goes through a bad girl phase and then kind of, leaves she's like makes moral decisions and decides against it but faith is like no i'm a bad girl and she then she does something really bad which is not only does she kill someone but she has no she decides to have no remorse even though we think she has remorse she doesn't makes a she's a real bad girl yeah so Uh, that's my next question is like what does it mean to be a bad girl well it means to kill and have no remorse (laughs) that's what bad girls do (laughs) Uh, Rachel, you had a quote that um, you raised, oh, but I, I liked deleted it.
3: Deleted it. I wasn't. I after I wrote it, I wasn't sure that it was really applicable. Um, but there's a Mae West quote, which was originally the title of a song. That's uh, it's "Good girls go to heaven, bad girls go everywhere else." You know, and I, I thought that I thought it was kind of interesting that I'd come across that quote at, around the same time we were rewatching this episode. And I wonder if that sentiment is maybe something that Faith would subscribe to.
2: absolutely oh yeah
0: yeah and i mean it definitely works with if buffy's a good girl and how limited her like uh, lifestyle and experiences yeah Yeah. well she's she's so
2: she's ruled by these men in her life i mean yeah any of that i mean it's worth pointing out that these two people are like actually literally subject to a patriarchal society that doesn't have their best interests at heart like that's literally true in a very tangible way uh so it it Faith's reaction makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, um, But I guess that we're supposed to read the character as like she goes too far and actually rejects all morality and decency along with everything else.
0: But it's, uh. it's so interesting because it's like there's two different worlds that the show can present and it makes us want to side with Buffy and like we assume her worldview is correct where like right. she thinks she might go to college and like that school is still valuable and you should go. But obviously like in a world plagued by vampires, you shouldn't give a shit about school. You should be 100% focused on weapons and survival and sex <laughs> when you can and, you know, whatever kind of pleasures for now and, like, yeah, oh, yeah, fighting and, you know, I want to have sex after I fight or eat a bunch of ribs. Like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, you know, Fate's worldview, which is completely accurate versus Buffett. Yeah. Still trying to keep the structure of school together and, like, it's insane. I, I mean, I... But-
2: that's a good point. Yeah. Faith is kind of the sane one. Yeah, but Buffy is, Buffy is, is like future is the
0: fantasy. Like that's yeah. what
2: fantasy
0: is what Buffy's saying. And
2: I, I actually feel like it's
0: weird when um, earlier in the episode, when we first meet Wesley and Faith is like, "You're actually going to f- listen to this guy," and she's like, "Yeah, it's kind of the job." Like that. Like Buffy being the one who wants to follow what the Watcher says uh, doesn't feel a lot like the Buffy we first met in season one. Like mm. Buffy. Is inherently like rebellious towards the Watchers but like I say this in a later thing but like because Faith is so anti-authoritarian like it at first pushes Buffy more to the extreme the other extreme of being like pro the Watchers authority which we it just it doesn't feel like what Buffy really is about right Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but she's also not totally about this like.
2: Well, um, that's really interesting because that also paints Giles in a really kind of creepy light where uh, that kind of makes Giles the, uh, this negotiator between like the authority and Buffy where like he's, uh, he's putting a kind, loving face on authority and control that yeah. uh, persuades Buffy that, it, that that's the right thing to do. With, that, all, that, with all those crystals and that injecting of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's such a kind face. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's the episode where we BS. find out what, it, what 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 it really is about, right? I mean,
0: I can't believe Wesley allows Giles to even be in the room.
2: He's s- undermining him constantly. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, that's the thing of like, why does Wesley set up shop in Giles's shop?
2: Yeah, it doesn't make go any go, sense.
1: <laughs>
0: you <laughs> lazy bastard. That's I mean, maybe he knows are. that.
2: Maybe he knows that if he like opened up an office, that like Buffy just would never show up. <laughs>
0: I think it's interesting that the Watcher's office is right by the Hellmouth. I mean, that's fascinating absolutely Sobs. <laughs> uh it's i uh, said so this is a big episode for um buffy buffy faith shippers which i believe is fluffy is it fluffy uh, or fluffy oh it might be f- w- what's the why would it be fluffy <laughs> uh it sounds better <laughs> uh but is it in the text um It's certainly in the subtext, but I don't know. Did the writers write this on purpose, I guess? The
2: heart on the window is really unmistakable. But I was thinking about this a lot today. And I, Mm. I feel like, you know, there's definitely an element of like, this is a lesbian relationship in the subtext and we can't do it out loud because it's the nineties and that would be, you know, fraught in all these ways. And so we're going to put it in the subtext and all the things, all the things that that means. But I also think that it's actually, it's also really interesting to read this as a platonic relationship uh, between two straight ladies who are using like, cause like the scene where they're dancing and they're surrounded by men, but they're facing each other right that they're they're sort of like they're one of the things they're bonding over like if you just read it straight right like one of the things they're bonding over is their shared objectification of men right which is not that that is also transgressive yeah. and is not something you see on tv that much and i like even reading it that way like just reading it what's on the page that's still kind of really interesting and it's a different kind of relationship than we're used to seeing
0: it's a tricky op- in the opening because like they uh faith is talking about xander but the way that script is written in the beginning which is talking about like wanting to do something with your friends or whatever it totally seems like she's hinting at her they're have yeah, a relationship and until she says like xander like i yeah. assumed it was like oh whoa this is like a strong les- lesbian come on like right away whoa this is not where i expected the show to go mm-hmm. and then of course you know it's like uh misdirect joke yeah. about xander. but it also is like it's a clear misdirect right it's like it's written yeah. Like the, obvi- the idea that the audience would think that they're talking about the- each other, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the I show mean, is I, definitely I just,
0: enjoying it, the, the playing with the idea. A heart on the a heart on the window, I think, is, is probably a misdirect. Is there any, it's like, like not really great iconog- uh, iconography? There's not great iconog- uh, iconography for, uh, for like a friendship, right? So the heart is something that we all understand. It doesn't necessarily mean sexual attraction, it could mean platonic love. But there's not like a. Another, this isn't Japan, right? There's In Japan, heart. the heart is very platonic. Right. So this could be. This, I mean, I'm just not sure. There's another icon that I that I I would draw that would be like friendship. Exact. Exactly. Other than, you know, some it's hands just, shaking hands. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <camera>. That'd be a <laughs> lot harder to shaking. draw on the window. She'd have <laughs> to like really hands <laughs> are one of the hardest things to draw, right? Like. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. So I, I don't. To me, it didn't necessarily... I think maybe it was just sort of like... Uh, the symbol I mean, of friendship like is cat. a waffle, you know? that's like... <laughs> She should have thrown her a waffle. I will not waffle on my love of waffles. <laughs> <laughs> or a cat. Cat would be a good symbol. <laughs> uh, that could be read a different way. Uh, uh, she also, Faith also calls Buffy girlfriend like two or three times in the script. Mm. Mm-hmm. But She's already so familiar, calling her B. Hey, B. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right.
0: Uh, so I've kind of already covered my last one, but I just wrote this long, stupid sentence. That um, <clears throat> One of the themes for this episode is doubles. Giles meets his uh, with Wesley, who uh, being so stuffy allows Giles to be cooler and looser. Uh, Buffy and Faith mirror each other and Faith's anti-authoritarian position at first seems to push Buffy, the other way, the we have to obey the Watchers Council. Uh, and then into the extreme opposite of crime. Uh, but is there a middle
1: road?
2: Um, so I think we've kind of hit all of what I just said. But I think is there a middle road, though, is a good question. I mean, I think. I'm not sure the show really sees it that way, but that's how I'm seeing it right now. Yeah, we'll find out if there's a middle road. I mean, I feel like.
0: Buffy was more operating in a middle road before than she is now. Right. I, I was shocked. She would obey Wesley at all. Um, and she doesn't even really seem to that much. She's kind of wise. I mean, I think she's coming at it from the, uh, from the idea that the reason that she's alive is that she's a team, right? And a team includes Giles, even though he sucks and Wesley, even though he's going to be amazing. And, uh, the show I mean, has completely forgiven Giles, by the yeah, way. I'll never, I never lied. I totally, yeah. totally forgot about that whole sequence. So, yeah, that's bizarre. But I think that's why, to me, that's how I can rationalize it. And she's been brainwashed by, by these men. And she has no father. <laughs> I mean, I don't know All what right. to say. There's no rational explanation for any of her behavior. She should be just like Faith right now. And with that, let's move on to predictions.
2: Okay, predictions. So, at the moment, Mike is currently at uh, sixty-eight point one eight. Um, if you're anyone's interested, the math actually works out to sixty-eight point one eight repeating. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, i'm
0: so no interested
2: in that? that one one point one eight or point eight 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 one eight one eight one is it uh, yeah. 1.21 gigawatts <laughs> all right so some things we want to talk about um Can we in season one episode six zan mike predicts that xander will have sex with a monster that he doesn't know is a monster now is it possible that knowing what we know now that faith is a kind of monster does anybody want to make the case for that or are we just going to leave this one the way it is i think you know
0: um i feel very com- like this was one of those things obviously last week we couldn't talk about this right was like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> um you know my favorite thing is monsters is also a really good graphic novel people should read uh so it's
2: hard for me to be like Say somebody's a monster in a bad way, since I love monsters. so Right, and I Uh, think we—Mike didn't mean a metaphorical monster. I think we can give him credit. He meant a literal monster. Yeah, the way the show has literal monsters. Yeah. So, so but yeah, we're gonna leave that open for now. I think you know because he may still have sex with a monster. I
0: believe Xander will have sex with a monster. It's only a matter of time. Faith is not okay.
2: Uh, In season two, episode 17, uh, Mike predicts that Buffy will never get back together with Angel except in her dreams. So, it's very ambiguous the degree to which they're back together. What do you guys think? Are they back together? Dude,
0: they are a couple at this point. I am calling it. This is such coupley behavior.
2: It's coupley, but it's coupley. I don't know if it's couple. Rachel, what do you think?
3: Well, there's that one sequence in the club in this episode where she's dancing with Faith and then she sees Angel and she goes over to him and he was like, no, no, go hang out with your friends. And then she hugs him and she gets really cuddly on his shoulder and she's sort of like, you know, like she's on Molly or something and like, <laughs> like loving and holding on to him. And he kind of puts up with it for a second. He's like, no, but I'm trying to talk shop. Like, don't be so, you know, on my shoulder. And he pulls himself away and sits across from her to talk business and that sequence to me, I was like, "Nah, he's not into it." But like,
2: <laughs> I, I think that's a, I think that's an excellent body language point. And yeah, I think you're right. But it
3: Could have just been like in that moment where he was like, "No, this is super serious. We need to be serious work time, not coupley time."
0: Yeah, because um, they end that sequence with just the way that they kiss is so to me casual and like not. And like, just very in a relationshipy kiss, right? No, I so agree.
3: And it's I like so saying, I, "I
0: love you" before hanging up on the phone, kind of yeah, like that level.
3: And so I, I, think it's you know they're definitely on their way to being back together if they're not, but they I think there's a more distinct line in the sand between business and pleasure now than there probably used to be.
2: Well, Travis is away from the camera for a minute, so we need a decisive vote. I vote they're not back together. Although, you know, I'd love to not deny Mike a prediction. <laughs> that makes me happy, but um, uh, I think they're not back together. Dennis says they are back together. I think, Rachel, you have the deciding vote.
3: I'm going to say not yet.
2: Okay, we're going to leave that yeah. one open.
0: All right, because uh, yeah, even if Travis... Uh, it's
3: complicated. Be... Their Facebook status would be it's <laughs>
1: happening. Yeah, yes.
2: <laughs> okay, uh, season two, episode 22, Mike predicts that Buffy is going to fight the police again. Now... Yep. <laughs> Does she directly fight the police? I think she does, right? Are you kidding? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Totally. All right. Yeah, that was nine questions. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that's confirmed. So well done, Mike.
0: Yeah. She can't help it. She. Uh, Travis is back. Do we want to ask him this question just to see where he lands on it? Okay.
2: Yeah. Travis, do you think that Buffy and Angel are back together? Yes. Oh. So me, that splits it. You and me, it. Travis. You and me. That That splits the vote. It's two-two. But we need a tiebreaker.
0: I vote that they're not in a relationship. <laughs> 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 all
2: right. All right. Well, here's the thing. Here's what I say. I say that we um, we leave it open for now. But if anybody wants to tweet at us and register a vote, they should just do that.
0: At right. Buffy Virgin Pod. We'll know well, yeah. the answer right. in
2: four episodes. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Can't help it.
2: Okay. All right. Uh, season three, episode five, Mike predicts that Trick and the mayor will only have one caper together before their partnerships ends, which they had in season three, episode six. They had their one. And yeah. then this, is this a caper together? I feel like it is. Totally. So this is denied. It's totally
0: a B B story. Do so we have a side so for
2: that? <laughs> the very next episode after this, Mike predicted, and I want to point this out, that Trick's next caper, which would be this caper, will be his last. So if we see Trick again having a caper, that one will be denied. It's not yet, because he could disappear. We may never see Trick again. No, no, no. I I think this is an ongoing caper. I would count working for the mayor as an ongoing caper. Wait, everything he does for the mayor is a single caper? This whole whole Ascension thing? Yes. That's my
1: opinion.
0: I think that Trick is a freelancer and has to submit an invoice for like every single caper he does. So this would be a separate caper.
2: Uh, We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. When we see trick again, (laughs) if we ever see trick again. Okay. Um, this one is not open or closed, but I wanted to point out that, um, Mike predicted in season three, episode seven, that the Watcher Council will apologize in season three for not warning about Gwendolyn Price. Now, they, Gwendolyn Price is mentioned, and Wesley ha- declines the opportunity to apologize on behalf of the Watcher's Council. He's just like, oh, yeah, Gwendolyn Price. We all heard oh, about it. He did say <laughs> I was unfortunate. Wow. Let me bring up the script. Does he say unfortunate? <laughs> But he's definitely not it's not an apology. It's not an
3: apology. Yeah. it's
2: not an apology in any case, I don't think. What's what's the line, Mike? What's
0: he actually saying? Oh, hold on. It's not a full apology though. Because Mike totally predicted this when he thought the Watchers Council was like a benevolent organization <laughs> that would do like <laughs> the good thing. Well, I assume they're benevolent because Giles is such a stand-up guy, but uh that is not That ain't true. For, uh Gwendolyn. Oh yes, Gwendolyn Post. We all heard no mr giles has checked my credentials rather thoroughly and phoned the council i'm glad to see you're on the ball as well yeah this layer is a cautious layer yeah he doesn't say shit
2: he doesn't say he doesn't apologize at all all right so that one's still open because they you know the apology could be coming
0: all right i apologize for this wesley character as well but yeah
2: <laughs> um in the same episode mike predicted that a new watcher will appear for faith in season three and i think that wesley sees himself as a watcher for faith as much as for buffy so i think that that one is confirmed
0: Yes. No, no, he's, he's also definitely Faith's watcher.
2: Um, and he predicted that the new watcher will be British. That's another confirmation for Mike. Uh, there's a fun piece of, there's a fun thing here about, um, has anybody ever uh, read the um, Sarah Vowell essay, uh, The Nerd Voice, uh, where mm. she talks about, it's really good. She talks about um, different ways, like rhetorically to be a nerd. And she talks about like why, uh, Al Gore lost the 2000 election because he like didn't know how to be a nerd in public properly. Um, it's a really good essay and she talks about Buffy how Buffy, uh, how Willow is much better at being a nerd in public than, uh, than Al Gore and she talks about um, casting Wesley and like how uh, I forget who she talks, she talks to one of the writers and uh, there was a writer who wanted Wesley to be American and wanted to base him on George Stephanopoulos but they decided that watches had to be British to be effective as characters so that's a good essay uh the nerd voice very is it good
0: spoiler free can anyone read it
2: i think it is spoiler free for you at this point mike i would have to give it another read to be 100 percent sure um, yeah, just
0: drop it in the slack channel if it is i'd love to read it yeah
2: okay uh giles will be missing some this is season three episode 11 mike predicts giles will be missing some knowledge in the future because he will be missing books now i want to make a case for this one um because giles is sitting there and wesley's like oh was did he have two swords one long and one short and giles is like that sounds kind of familiar and giles is and wesley's like ah here it should be it's in this book and at that point wesley is unpacking his books in the background
0: also i want to point out wesley only has like two boxes of books yeah that's not a lot for a watcher
2: well he is lecturing about how in the new school watching is not all about book learning uh, uh,
3: how is he so unprepared for actual battle and actual? Battle? <laughs> that's the case. Like, so
2: can can I confirm that one? I mean, that's kind of on a, a slim information, but I kind of want to confirm that one. What do you guys you say? Don't
3: have any proof that it's sure. not in any of Giles's books. He just that's true. The that's of the true. Head.
2: That
0: is true. Uh, it's a different book. I think you should confirm it. Mike Mike needs a win here. <laughs> hey guys, appreciate it. It's a, it's an edge call, but I think it's the right
2: move. Okay, well, the, the wins keep piling up for Mike because Mike also predicted in Season 3, Episode 12 that the new Watcher will not be a good father figure. I think we can confirm that. <laughs> That's a weird one. So, <laughs> he hasn't drugged her. He hasn't lied to her. Oh, gosh. It's only been, a, it's only been an episode. Uh, and this one's interesting. I, I don't think we can open it. I don't think we can close this one. I think this one's going to stay open. But like, uh, Mike predicted in Season 3, Episode 13 that Xander will tell people about his faith hookup. And specifically, that Faith will get slut shamed by Xander. Uh, so, I'm kind of you know it hasn't happened yet, could still happen. Didn't happen in this episode. Yeah,
0: yeah. People know about it though.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: X- Xander's uh, barely holding it together. Oh, I, I guess. It. I guess yeah. You can yeah, You can definitely confirm the fact that the new watcher won't be a father figure to Buffy because he's too young to be her father. So, by definition, Mike has that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah! By very definition, he he got the prediction.
2: Does one need to be old enough to be a literal father in order to be a father figure? Is that
0: or you know good? But it's neither.
2: <laughs> okay, so uh, like, like you can't be my father figure, John. You're older than me. <laughs> also, <laughs> happy birthday, John! Oh <laughs> yeah. Um hold on a second just want to make sure I'm getting all the record-keeping going on here um, so I believe that Mike got quite a few quite a few confirmations there that's more than I th- better than he's done in a while thank you um, that brings One denial was denied that brings Mike back up to uh, 69.4 so he's back up to 69 dudes <laughs>
1: thanks
2: I enjoyed a lot now knowing why you say it that way <laughs>
0: All right. So my new predictions. <laughs> new predictions. Uh, Faith isn't going to figure out how to use a bow. <laughs> I don't see it happening. It requires too much patience. Crossbow. Any kind of bow. Any kind of bow. Uh, I don't think the mayor is going to make it through to season four. I think the mayor character, we got to deal with an invincible mayor. This is too scary. Okay. This has got to be a season three situation. Uh, Faith is going to face the consequences for killing a human in Consequences, the next episode called Consequences. <laughs> A bold choice, Mike. A bold choice. It won't, it won't, resol- it won't resolve things. you're you're just predicting that she's gonna face some
1: consequences.
0: Also, I believe mostly based I actually had the opposite prediction at the start of this episode, but now having seen people's excitement about Wesley, I believe this watcher is going to make it to season four is gonna be around at least until season four. I don't know when he's gone or off the show, but I I initially thought he was going to get murdered in season three. (laughs) But after seeing everyone's excitement about him, no way. This guy's in, he's around. It's fun to have a nerd that does, That's kind of scared of vampires. And that would have been, uh, (laughs) that would have been Xander. But now that Xander's leveled up, Wesley can appear and be the new nerd that gets picked on and doesn't know what's going on. But occasionally get people out of a jam. So Wesley will be around into season four. Mm -hmm. Those are my predictions. Also, uh, to add to the Buffy drinking game, whenever the mayor does something childish, take a drink. All right, cool. Uh, That is predictions. Uh, So let's move on to my kill count. So I counted 15 vampires that got staked Uh, this episode, um, which is probably like our highest vampire staking in a long time. Uh, And then one demon and one human. Poor Alan. Uh, And now let's move on to recommendations. Um, So my recommendations and uh, Rachel, I don't know if you thought of any. um...
3: Nothing that wasn't already listed.
0: We're not allowed to think of them, so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Specific episodes of Bones Don't count as recommendations (laughs) Um, Because Buffy and Faith Almost got arrested That would have spun off into um, A woman in prison movie And the best woman in prison movie is The Big Dollhouse with Pam Greer Set in the Philippines Really good, Roger Corman uh, That's like a 100% recommend If you want to get into women in prison movies Which I am definitely into um, reform school girl from 1950, not reform school girls from 1989. <laughs> <laughs> is that like alien and aliens? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but reform school girl is your classic kind of like um, 1950s like code movie that's like about the dangers of being a bad girl and uh, vague hinted at evils of lesbianism. Um, so it just really fits with this movie. Um, I also recommend the 1996 movie Foxfire, which was filmed in Portland. And Mike, I think you might just enjoy it as a Portlander to see Portland Landscapes, but it's It's, uh, a movie I first watched with John Um, and it's got a young Angelina Jolie. Really young, she's like, it's
1: like
2: her first
0: movie, right? Yeah, yeah, first or second. Um, And it's very much like this storyline, but without the vampires or the superpowers. There's even like a scene where like uh, Angelina Jolie's character like disrupts a biology class and they're like, you can't get away with that young lady. And she's like, I don't even go here. She (laughs) she jumps out the window. Wow! (laughs) So it's like so similar. Um, And uh, then I gotta recommend Blade because that's got the fat vampire and I'm gonna recommend the Blob because he's also a big blob. Okay, can you confirm the.
1: Beware tour? the blob,
0: it creeps
1: and leaps and glides
3: and slides, slides across, across the, the, floor, the floor, by through the door, all around the
0: wall. A can you splotch, confirm the year blotch, of the blob that you would like to recommend? Is it the 80s blob? The. <laughs> it's pretty rad music. Too.
2: <laughs> Sorry, the blob theme song is so good. It is so good. Uh, Bert Bacharach, the... by the way, wrote that. <laughs> no shit. Wow. I thought it was by the five blobs. It is the five blobs, but uh, Birkbeck Rack wrote it.
0: <laughs> uh, I recommend the Stephen oh, McQueen version. Right. Okay. <laughs> yes, and then Steve what McQueen. year, Reform School Girls? Uh, 1950. 19. Okay. Yeah. I got to try this again. I put in the wrong years. There's like three Reform School Girls to choose from. Yeah. That's why I, it's Reform School Girl. 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 Oh, nice. thank you. Oh, yes. And the blob from the 1958. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. All right. Uh, do we have anything else going on? Any housekeeping? Uh, I have a new vlog. it's uh, You can follow me on YouTube, Michael Poley, M I C H A L P O L E Y. I think it's just YouTube slash Michael Poley. And you can uh, see this vlog. It's a lot of weird personal stories as it is I explore all my many hobbies. <laughs> I've been oh. enjoying it. Hey, Thanks, too. John. Rachel, what are you up to and where can people find your stuff?
3: Um, generally speaking, you can find my work online at mixtapecomics and frankiecomics.com. Um, those are two separate URLs, mixtapecomics.com and frankiecomics.com. Uh, Comics is my personal portfolio where you can find an archive of all my previous work, uh, the, the licensed work that you had mentioned earlier, as well as anthologies and, uh, and self-published works. Frankie Comics is specifically my cat-centric webcomic about my cat. Um, But I also do regular stats comics for The Nib at TheNib.com.
0: Yes. Cool. And uh, are you going to any conventions anytime soon?
3: Um, I'm kind of taking this year off from conventions. Um, I'm doing a couple of local things uh, here in LA. On February 11th, there's going to be a comic and zine art show at um, UCB on Sunset, the Upright Citizens Brigade, their coffee shop, Inner Sanctum. And so I'll be there with my mini comics and zines and that sort of stuff. Um, but other than that, uh, I won't be tabling again. I don't think until SPX in the fall in September, though I will be walking around WonderCon and Comic-Con. So. Cool.
0: Yeah, I'll see you at Comic-Con. Okay, cool. I'm going this year. Uh, and you can find my stuff uh, online at denniscomics.com. I'm on Twitter, Dennis comics. Um my Patreon is Dennis St. John and you can buy my comics, The Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales and Amelia, both on Amazon. Uh, so thank you guys. And you can find Buffy Virgin on Twitter at Buffy Virgin pod, Instagram Buffy Virgin, YouTube is Buffy Virgin. Facebook is Buffy Virgin. Uh, and I think that's it. So have a good night and thanks for listening to our therapy section as always.
1: Beware of the blob it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door, all around the wall, a splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob.
2: <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> that fits the tone of that movie too, right? <laughs> oh, totally, yeah. The movie's not super self-serious, yeah. Yeah.
0: But the eighties one is serious. More serious, yeah. More serious, yeah. More serious. The funny thing about the um, the '50s one is it ends with they throw the blob into the Antarctic to freeze it, and they're like, "We'll be safe now as long as there's ice."
2: Todd, <laughs> <laughs> there's that great um, effect shot in that where um, they're in the diner. And if you like look at it, you can tell it's like a cut out photo of the diner. Yeah. Like they have a photo of the backdrop and then they have a photo <laughs> that they've cut out of the stools in the foreground and the blob's going between. And on the one hand, it's totally cheap. On the other hand, it looks really good.
0: Yeah. There's um, whatever theater that the blob like shoots that running out t- scene in, like every year plays the blob. And, yeah, that's um, like a thing. And like recreates that photo with the audience. So that's pretty neat.